and welcome to another episode of Downtime with the Cranston Public Library, the podcast for cool people who love libraries, where we talk about what we've been reading, what we've been watching, and what we've been loving. I'm your host, Taylor, branch librarian at the Oakland Branch Library, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, I'm Robin Nazio. I'm the branch librarian at the William Hall Library, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Dave Bartos. I'm the coordinator of adult services at the Cranston Public Library and also the audio engineer for Downtime with Cranston Public Library. And my pronouns are he, him. Welcome, both of you, back to the show. Um, I'm excited to have you both back because we're going to do a little bit of a meta episode. We're going to do a podcast about our favorite podcast. But first, as always, we're going to talk about what we've been reading. Well, I actually am reading a couple of books just like most of us do. Uh, I'm finishing up the book, The Moment of Lift by Melinda Gates, because that is the November book discussion book for the group that I belong to outside of work. And uh, Melinda Gates is the wife of uh, Microsoft founder, Bill Gates. And she also worked for Microsoft, which was very interesting. So she's not just somebody who's always been in the um, philanthropy front, but that is what she does nowadays. And she travels to a lot of different countries and learns about what's going on before the Gates Foundation gives funds to those folks. So a lot of it is, is about her travels and she takes her children with her um, to go to different places. So it's it's been very interesting to read about. And I, I started off listening to it. I had downloaded it from Overdrive. And then I also have the book because the meeting is tomorrow night. So sometimes it's faster to get through it that way. And the other book that I picked up, which I have now finished, is um, a children's book called Meet Kit, an American Girl. And I read that because my oldest granddaughter... Maddie, who lives in Washington State with her family, had gotten an American that American Girl doll for her birthday, and she told me about it. So I thought it would be fun to read the book, and then I could talk about it with her. And I've looked at those books before because I started out life as a children's librarian, and I realized that Kit grew up in the Great Depression. So that was that was sort of an interesting thing to uh, wonder what an eight-year-old, what she'll think about that and to talk about it with her, which I haven't done yet. So she's, she's in the second grade. And uh, so I'm looking forward to discussing that with, with her in the future. Yeah, I had American Girl doll, one of the historical dolls when I was young. And I just recently read something about like how, like, how much effort American Girl Ghost puts into making their stories like as historically accurate as possible and like representative. Like it was this thing that I read was a post like in response to someone saying the fact that they have like a doll who is who was a slave is like racist. And everyone was like, no, excuse me, don't come for Addie because actually this, this and this happened in her story and they made it you know, as accurate as possible while still being like for a children's audience of the experience of someone who escaped, whose family escaped slavery and, and who was black and living at a time where slavery was still a thing in our country. And so I'm always very happy with American Girl and, and the things that they do to try to 
teach young girls and be representative of all the different types of young women who live in this country. So I think it's great that she has Kit and gets to, you know, learn about that part of history. So Dave, what have you been reading? Talking about uh, American Girl Dolls makes me think of an American women story I read recently. It's called Upright Women Wanted by the author Sarah Gailey. Uh, Sarah Gailey goes with they, them pronouns. This book um, looped me in from the tagline, which was, are you a coward or are you a librarian? And I was like, okay, well, I have to read this book. Um, and then on the back, the uh, like the back cover tagline is fight the state, become a librarian. So I was even more hooked with this, you know, this little novella. And it's basically a dystopian future Western where there's these librarians who are employed by the state that go from outpost town to outpost town in the southwest of America, distributing state-sanctioned materials. But as it turns out, they're actually working for the resistance. And, you know, just a little Western story ensues. But it's, it's definitely the future of now, even though it is very much a Western. But it's just a very powerful book about what could happen if we don't make space in our culture for everybody to just be themselves. The main character is running away from town and she was caught having a homosexual romance with another girl in town and that girl was put to death and she had to run away because she couldn't live the life that was ascribed for her. And so she stole away on the librarian's coach as they were leaving town. And she was like, maybe they'll let me be a librarian. Um, and they, you know, they get into uh, gunfights, they get into all of these situations trying to just make it from this place in Arizona to this place in Utah. I mean, it's just this little sort of travel narrative, essentially, but it was just very deftly written using tropes of the Western, but feeling like you you knew that this wasn't the past. This was a future that had to act like the past, essentially. Um, and there was one non-binary character in it meeting the main character says, you know, when we're in town, I'm she, but when we're not in town, I'm they. You've got it. Just very no-nonsense, like, You've got to know this and, you know, so we can maintain our covers so we can stay safe. And it was just a hard book mm. to read, but also there was a lot of hope packed in there of, you know, they were able to live their own life and live their truth and find that space for themselves. And I think in the afterward, especially, you know, Daily makes it very explicit that like how they feel about their life and finding those spaces for themselves. It was hard to read, but it was a really, really good book and so well written. Um, just... Mm. The, the the kind of like little authorly tricks, like things I would never be able to do. But when you see it, you're like, oh, that's really beautiful. Like turn a phrase or a really beautiful image that's mirrored in another image two pages later. Like those sorts of things that are just like little crystals, um, like a very hard crystal, I guess, with this book. But I really, really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I also like the idea of taking from that kind of historical fact that librarians used to go to places that were out of the like, I guess, like metropolitan area where people could easily travel to the library to bring to bring right. books to more rural areas. They did it on horseback. Um, but so I like that kind of nod to that of like mm. being in the West and being in a frontier town also might have included a library, a librarian coming and right. bringing materials. So it sounds like a very interesting book. It was. It was. Um you know, would love to read more of those characters and in that world because it was just, you know, um, they had a lot to say and they said it so, so well. I just really, really enjoyed that one. And then another book that I, I got into and I want to shout out um, a former colleague of mine, Abigail, who in 2017, almost four years ago, told me I need to watch out for and start reading the Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. 
Um, and I checked it out from the library, but I never got to it. And then promptly forgot about it until it came across my desk recently. And there's like five or six books in this series now. It's so good. Um, where the murder bot is this, it's called a security unit, sec unit, that goes with exploration teams to uh, planets to keep them safe. Um, but our sec unit in this book is not, it, it basically hacked itself. So it has self-awareness because it accidentally killed a bunch of people once. And so it was like, I don't want that to ever happen again. I got this command from my governor unit. And so I'm going to just disable my governor unit. And all it wants to do is be left alone to hide away from all the humans that it's with and to watch TV. It downloads TV shows to its memory unit. And it's like, I wish I could just watch TV. It's, the whole book is just, it's so sardonic. And like, I don't want anything to do with any of you, but it ends up having to save its humans who are put under attack by shadowy corporate forces. Um, but that was just such a lovable human killing machine that is not a human, but really got at, you know, what it means to be human and to be self-aware and, Martha Wells invented all of these little shows it was trying to watch. It was like, I just want to get back to my serials. I just want to watch my shows. <laughs> and it was, that was very relatable, too. And be like, I don't want to do this. I just want to watch my shows. <laughs> so I really liked that one. Is this a graphic novel or just a... It's a novel novel, yeah. They're oh, okay. um, a series of novellas, and then the first novel in the series came out recently. And I, yeah, there's like five or six of them now. And I just wish I hadn't waited so long to start reading them. But now I get to binge on them, which is great. Yeah, that's true. When you get in at the beginning of something, then sometimes you have to wait a long time for the next one. So when you when you get in when a bunch of books are already out, then you can just go through the whole series. So that's always nice. Definitely digging that. Yeah, I love a good story where the robot or the AI gets self-aware or learns feelings. I think it's interesting, and I think it's a particular slice of speculative fiction that really gets to look at the human condition it's like well if something that wasn't aware or couldn't feel now can and like has this kind of like new interesting perspective on that on on feelings and on being alive um yeah. i always find that super interesting it's very clear it's like i don't have feelings not those i don't have those like <laughs> but towards the end is just kind of like i like these humans like these humans are good humans and they're doing their best like at this one point, it's left for dead and the people it was supposed to be taken care of. And it's just sort of like, well, I'm left for dead. I guess this is what happens now. And the people come back and rescue it. And it's like, well, these humans are the best humans, you know, and just that little like, maybe I care a little bit, but towards the end of the book, like, that has the best last two pages. Like, I thought I knew how this book was going to end, but then the last two pages are just like, oh, no, never mind. Like, this is so much better of an ending and very true to the character. And so I'm excited to see where Murderbot goes from there as I binge through the series. So since this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite podcasts. I thought I would mention a book that I read a couple months back as kind of uh, research for improving our show. Um, and I thought that it would be helpful for anyone else who is thinking about starting a podcast, wants to start a podcast, has been a longtime lover of podcasts and feels inspired to take up the medium for themselves is a book called So You Want to Start a Podcast, Finding Your Voice, Telling Your Story, and Building a Community That Will Listen by Kristen Mensner. And uh, she has been the host and guest on many podcasts and involved in many kind of like radio and, and news media kind of related things for a while. 
Um, she kind of goes through her whole bio in the beginning of the book to be like, why should you listen to my advice about podcasts? Um, and then she outlines basically like from the beginning, from conceptualizing your idea of the podcast through booking guests and then, you know, buying equipment. Um, she doesn't go super into the equipment. It's not meant to be a super technical guide in that sense. But she gives you the basics basics to get started on um, in terms of equipment. And then she goes into it towards the end of the book about kind of how to sustain the podcast in terms of like finding your audience and, and marketing your show. So I encourage anyone who wants to start a podcast to read her book because it was it was amazingly helpful to me in the making of this show. So uh, since Murderbot likes to watch TV, um, <laughs> what TV shows or movies or other things have you been watching uh, for your oh, entertainment? I still watch a lot of uh, food-related shows. I try to find things that are just going to take my mind off the world and watch something, especially if I'm on my lunch break here at the library. And I'll bring out my iPad, and I've watched a few food food related like cooking slash travel shows. And one of them is called Somebody Feed Phil. And the main person in that is a, a TV producer named Phil Rosenthal. And he travels around and eats food and gets excited about the food. And, it, and it's fun. It takes my mind off of stuff going on in the world and it's just purely enjoyable and it's something that I can watch while I'm eating and just not have to entirely pay attention to because or if I space out for a second I can go back to it because it's right there on the iPad um, so that that was a good one and another interesting one that was more instructional about food was called Nadia's Time to Eat and she, um, that's a British show. So, but she talks about like trying to help people find time in their life to cook well and have good meals for their families. At least that was the focus of one of the episodes I watched. And those both happen to be on Netflix. And uh, so those are a couple of recommendations if you like food, cooking, but nothing too, too complicated <laughs> with her show, at least. Oh. Must be hard to w watch those while you're eating. Like it might disappoint you with whatever food you happen to have in front of you. Like I can no, just because I, <laughs> I I bring my own food and I like what yeah. I make. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> I know for me it would be like, well, I've been eating these leftovers for the past four days, and you know I'm enjoying them. But gosh, whatever Phil's having looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah, that goes back to the other uh, episode we were talking about. How does watching cooking shows not make you hungry? But I guess the solution to that is watching cooking shows while you're eating. While you're eating. <laughs> uh, well, I would definitely say my watching has been something completely different. Um, and as the, the, the audio engineer of the show, I get to listen to every episode as it's happening. Um, but I can't talk, which is really hard for me, particularly when we talk about the MCU, because I have so many opinions about all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Um, the seventh and final season of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. hit Netflix over the past month. And so I've been diving into that while, while I'm waiting for the new episodes of The Mandalorian. Um, 
what I'm really enjoying about this last season is how they're doing the time heist in a really interesting way where they're doing all this traveling through time and interacting with these different eras of um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, but in, in interesting ways, um, anybody who I've had the opportunity to bore with my opinions about Marvel's Endgame and how I, I thought it was fine, but not what I wanted. Um, but I think to see a more extended and a, and a more thought-provoking um, um, look at traveling through time and changing things in time and, you know, there's a lot of talk about ripples and waves and are you causing a ripple in the time stream or are you causing a wave? And, of course, it keeps getting worse and worse and worse um, as far as the changes that they're making in the events that happen. And I, I know it's just a silly TV show, but it's my kind of silly TV show for sure. I've been really into um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while. So I can definitely suggest that entire season. If you're really into Marvel and you want more Agent Phil Coulson, who Clark Gregg is one of the funniest characters, just the way he plays a combination like badass superhero guy, but also just like a, you know, middle management dude. It's just kind of like, eh, I'm just doing my job. I just think it's, he, he strikes that balance really well. Although he's getting, you know, he's got a super powered arm and all of these things. By the end, he's come back to life more times than you can count. But um, yeah, so I'm looking Spoilers. forward to wrapping that up. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the whole show is um, executive produced by Joss Whedon, so if you're a fan of the Whedonverse, you're used to people dying randomly all the time and coming back. Talking about the MCU and related shows reminded me that I finally, I can now say that I've seen all of the episodes of Daredevil. I finally, right now I've watched the third season and my boyfriend and I finished watching all of it together. Um, so... I don't know how I feel about the third season because it seemed like towards the end they knew that they weren't going to get any more. And so then they were like, oh, let's wrap this up real nicely and make all the audience happy, like right at the end. And it felt kind of abrupt for like otherwise a very dark, emotionally heavy season. And as someone who likes a happy ending, as we've established, for it to just be like, and let's cram the happy ending in there. Um, felt a little forced for me, but otherwise it was an interesting season. I'm gl I'm glad that I watched it, and now I'm just wondering what's going to happen now that Disney owns everything, and um, like with all those Netflix shows that got canceled. Of like, I know there's some time that they have to wait to use the characters again because Netflix has like um, the rights to it for a little bit, but once those go up, which mm. I think is going to be kind of soon now. Um, I'm curious to see if they're going to try to bring any of these small level heroes like to the big screen, if they'll recast, if they won't recast, mm. all things that are interesting to think about and we'll just have to see. So you're talking about feeling like there was this point where it was getting to all these open-ended for a fourth season and then they just decided, oh, never mind, we need to end it. I remember that in the reverse with uh, the TV show Lost, like there was a point where they were getting ready to wrap it up. They were tying up all the loose ends and then they were renewed for more seasons and just introduced all this goofy stuff um, where I, I always kind of felt like it would have been neat to see the ending they had planned. And I think they lost the thread of their original story. I don't usually they talk about They lost the things. thread. Yeah, they lost. You heard what I did there. <laughs> but... <laughs> nice. Yeah, most series like that, I've gotten the tip to watch from my sons. We all watched Star Trek The Next Generation together, and then they got me turned on to Battlestar Galactica, 
which back in the day, this is back like 10 years ago, you know, bought the DVDs before streaming was around. And um, we all watched those. I think there was some rewatching going on during the shutdown time. Uh, not that you couldn't have found it online, but just sharing stuff like that. And those were the the favorites and Firefly, all that stuff that I remember from, because my sons are closer in age to you two uh, than I am to you. So those are the TV shows that we shared together. That when you're talking about these things, that they would really be into it. And I would have to say to them, well, wait a minute, what happened to that person? <laughs> yeah. Oh, mom, weren't you paying attention? No. No. <laughs> Explain it to me. Yeah. Oh. No, but I mean, at least you watched them. At least you weren't like, oh, that's kid stuff or like, oh, you know, like. I'm oh, not. No, yeah, no, they they got. Well, I was probably the one I you know I I turned them on Star Wars. That was like one of my favorite things when I when I had my my guys got to the right age because I you know, three sons. And I was so excited to be able to show them the Star Wars movies. They did do that weird reissue where they added in some scenes, so we won't go into that, but it was really fun. Like, we had those on on video, and so one thing, thinking back to about a year ago, I was on on vacation with my oldest son and his family, and we got to see the new, the latest Star Wars movie, and regardless of your opinion of the movie itself, whether you loved it or hated it, it was fun to be able to go see it in a big movie theater with my son and my granddaughters who were a little young for it and didn't last, but it was just fun to be able to go together to a movie because he lives on the other side of the country and we were together um, and we could do something that we had done because I always loved sharing, going to the movies with my sons when they were growing up here in Rhode Island. So that was, was a good memory to have. Yeah, I think... It was a thing that didn't seem like it was going away despite all of the streaming and stuff. So there's something about just seeing it, you know, on the big screen and going to the movies to see it, you know, when it's brand new. For sure. We always did a lot of rewatching, which is funny because when you go back to our actual topic today of the podcast, is that when I listen to a podcast interview with a film star or um, a director because I love movies more so than TV shows, I'll start to rewatch things. I'll go get the DVDs from the library and then I'll, I'll watch something again. And it's really for me like, oh, it's been 20 years since I've seen this. So what's it going to yeah. be like to watch this now? And, th- and that's fun. But given the perspective of hearing that person talk about the movie puts it in a whole different light for me. And we'll return to the show after a quick break. Users of Cranston Public Library can now access their favorite digital magazines using Flipster. Flipster offers an easy browsable reading experience. Users can browse magazines by category as well as perform searches for specific titles. An online newsstand provides a carousel of most recent issues as well as a carousel of all issues, allowing for quick access to magazines. Go to cranstonlibrary.org and click the link online resources you can use now to find more information on how you can access Flipster. 
Flipster also has an app available on Android and iOS. Looking for a movie to watch? Canopy has over 30,000 feature films and documentaries for you to stream for free. Log in using your Cranston library card and receive eight free play credits each month. That's eight movies every month that you can watch for free. You can watch the 2016 Academy Award winning film Moonlight, Taika Waititi's horror comedy, What We Do in the Shadows, and many more films today with Canopy. Go to cranstonlibrary.org and click the slider that says online resources you can use now to find the link to sign into Canopy today. So I know that we're all excited to share our favorite podcast. Let's get right into it. Uh, Robin, do you want to talk about one of your favorite podcasts to start? Well, my favorite podcast is WTF with Mark Marin. He's a comedian who does two shows a week, essentially talks to people that he wants to talk to. And he's been doing this podcast for about 10 years. I started listening to it five years ago when I heard on TV during morning news, they said this podcaster had interviewed President Obama in his garage. And I was like, what? Who's that? So, of course, I looked it up and found out that he is a comedian and an actor. So it wasn't just like he was some random guy who had the president in his garage. So I started listening. That was a fantastic episode. And I continued listening since then. Now, his episodes are not necessarily safe to have on when you've got small children around. So fair warning to those of you who that might not sit well with. But he has great folks on like he had Matthew McConaughey on recently who's also written a book so he kind of checks two boxes for me books and movies so he's not specifically about any one topic I try to keep it pretty general with my podcast and I like people who are kind of all over the map I always listen to Marin stuff but I almost always listen to at least half of uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross but she loves Mark Marin, ironically, because I remember one week back in the spring, I had finished listening to his show Monday, and then Monday afternoon, it pops up in my feed that Terry Gross's new show, and she's interviewing Mark Marin. so I had like a two-for-one that week. What's great about Terry Gross and her folks with Fresh Air is that she also talks to political people, a lot of authors and experts in their field, so that also helps with deciding what books to purchase for the library and knowing something about more books. Uh, so I like it from there. So those are those are two of my go-tos. The thing about talking about podcasts is that then you almost don't have enough time to listen to the other podcasts. So I don't want to take people away from downtime with Cranston Public Library because <laughs> this is such a good podcast. It has so many good topics. And Taylor... And Dave, you two do a fantastic job with this. I've listened to a lot of podcasts in the past five years, some very slick and professional and others homegrown. And this one rates right up there. And I'm not just saying that because I work with the two of you, but it's really fun to listen to. And I would say that Taylor just has such great energy that it makes it a lot of fun, a lot of fun to listen to. So thank you. You deserve the praise. 
You do a good job. Okay, so maybe we'll stick with our go-to every week consumption ones. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm subscribed to far too many podcasts, as I'm sure any, you know, diehard podcast listener is. And there are those ones that I'm just like, eh, I'll skip this one this week. But one that I never miss um, is called Memory Palace by Nate DeMeo. He finds these stories from mostly American history and just tells a story. And it's impossible to describe. Um, there is no, like, set time period or topic. He was commissioned to do place-specific podcasts. So you go into this gallery and you stand there. And he tells a story about the gallery. And he did this one that was like, look at the gallery, look around you, all you see are antique American furniture. And he said, I don't want you to pay any attention to this. I want you to look at the floor. This is a ballroom. This ballroom used to be, you know, in this other hotel. And it was moved here uh, when it was in the hotel. It was where they had a big celebration for the end of the Revolutionary War. They're short. They're like 10 or 15 minutes long. I listened to that one twice, like in a row. I was just like, I need to hear this again. And it was just this, this beautiful like work of art that is telling a true story from American history. And then he did one when, um, what was the um, radio station in Providence that closed recently? It was like an indie rock radio station. And oh, WBRU. WBRU. And he did a, you know, an ode to, you know, ode to a college radio station in Providence, Rhode Island, because that's where he's from. And he was like, you wow. Know, and oh, and it was just, that. that was another one where I listened to it two times in a row. It's just like, this is beautiful. You know, so it's just this wildly all over the place, just snippets of Americana. And it's just such a, like, like a moment that makes you catch your breath, you know, where you're like, oh, that's just, I never would have thought about that. But you also learn something. Um, and he just does an amazing job with it. And I, I yeah, we'll never miss that one. So I use Overcast to listen to my podcasts um, as my app. You can put custom speeds for each podcast you listen to. So if it's the news, you can put it at like two times speed and get it out of the way. But then you don't have to you don't have to turn it down when you get to something that you want to favor. His is the only one that I have set to like one time speed. Everything is a little higher, so I can squeeze things in. But it's like I just want to sit in and soak soak in those um, stories that Nate's telling because they're fantastic. That sounds great. I want to listen to the BRU one because I was very sad when BRU was no longer. But it's also great to have the shorter one because I feel like a lot of podcasts are like almost hitting that that 45 minute almost hitting that hour mark so sometimes mm -hmm. it's nice to have one that you can fit in in in, in like a real in or in a, a shorter amount of time um yeah in terms of podcasts that i listen to fairly consistently one that i listen to every week is my brother my brother and me which is made by the McElroy family griffin justin and travis McElroy. and on my long list there are a couple of of podcasts that are made by one or more of them, but I will just keep it to this one. But My Brother, My Brother and Me is a comedy advice show. They start off the show in the intro telling you not to take their advice because none of them are experts in anything. It's it's really, they answer the question solely with the purpose of being funny and they are all hilarious. And yet there's all different bits in the show. There's a, like, there's, they jokingly call it like podcast within a podcast. So there's a whole thing about Munch Squad where they talk about different fast food restaurants, like new products that are coming out at different fast food restaurants. And they basically just roast all the fast food restaurants for all of the dumb, <laughs> weird, and unhealthy stuff that they make. Um, and there's like, they sometimes do Haunted Doll Watch, where they go on eBay and read listings of haunted dolls that people are selling on eBay. So yeah, it's fantastic. If you want something fun and light, I mean, they do sometimes because it's hard not to get political during 
our current times, they do sometimes talk about current issues and encourage people to, you know, donate to certain charities or, or do certain activism. But overall, it is generally a very light show when they had, when they were able to have live shows, they made a rule that anyone asking a question in the audience, there were no bummers allowed. And so mm -hmm. it's just like a, a fun show that's a very unique brand of humor, but it's like one that grows on you. Because when I first started listening, I didn't think I was going to like it as much mm -hmm. as I like have grown to enjoy it. Um, like every week, I'm like refreshing my pot, like their their feed on yeah. my podcast app to make sure that I've I've caught all the most recent ones and to see if a new one came out. Um, so that's the one I'm almost always caught up on. Um, the other one that I like to keep up on, but they do get very political and very heavy sometimes. So sometimes I'm not in the right headspace, but it is a fantastically done show is Just Between Us by Gabby Dunn and Allison Raskin. Um, if those names sound familiar, they were both BuzzFeed hosts when but the BuzzFeed YouTube channel was a thing. And they have also written, I think at this point, two YA fiction novels. Um, so you might have seen their name around other places, but Just Between Us is a variety show that they do, um, which is kind of, it's variety, so it's a mix of a lot of things. They usually start the show answering a, a viewer question and giving some advice. The middle of the show is usually with their guests, which is someone who is typically an expert in something. Like they frequently have, they've had in recent um, times people to come on to talk about racial justice and the protests going on in Portland. And um, they had one person who wrote a book about redlining come on and basically explain all the research he had done about redlining. And so they have an expert on, but then also at the end of the expert guest segment, they asked them a bunch of like hypothetical zany questions. So even that there's a serious part. And then at the end, before they go, they're like, we're going to ask you some ridiculous questions so that we could just have fun. And, uh, and then they'll do like a topic at the end. That's just the two of them talking about some like timely topic. And yeah, it's, it's a, a fun show and an educational show at the same time. Cause I feel like when they have their expert guests on, I always learn about something new that I didn't know anything about. Um, the, and they really make an effort to make all their guests diverse. So also yeah. just like, that an sounds really but yeah, so I'm kind of behind on that one. Cause I haven't been in a headspace to listen to some of like the serious guests that they've had on, but Generally, I, I like to listen to that one pretty consistently too. Yeah, yeah, I definitely prefer the particularly when lockdown happened and all of this happened. I cut out all of my current events podcasts. I was like, I can't handle it. I'm out. Like, I'm just going to listen to things that you know make me laugh, that divert me uh, when mm -hmm. I get the opportunity to. Um, and I'm, you know, a small and almost meaningless self care uh, step, but one that I felt was really impactful for me personally. Um, one that I definitely kept up with um, thinking about me as a person who purchases books for the library like you all do. But there's one, uh, it's called Our Opinions Are Correct, which is a podcast about science fiction and why it matters. Uh, the hosts are Charlie Jane Anders and Emily oh. Newitz. Um, they're both fantastic. And just, you know, again, they don't necessarily talk about books specifically, but they talk about topics. So the topic might be, you know, Again, because I talked about artificial intelligence earlier, to be like artificial intelligence and what would a real artificial intelligence look like? 
how would we know it? Mm. And how that in, how that concept, that scientific concept, impacts the world of fiction. Um, Charlie Dane Anders is a fiction writer. Um, Anne Lenowitz is a fiction and nonfiction writer. And so, you know, they they kind of get at these science fictiony topics in a very interesting way and have, you know, um, just fascinating guests on talking about their books. Um, the number of books that I walk away from that, like, ooh, I'm going to read that one. Um, I'm going to read that one, too. Um, you know, the, it's really fun. And in addition to I enjoy them as podcasters, I also enjoy their books. Uh, Charlie Jane Anders's book, All the Birds in the Sky, was just an interesting blend of science fiction and fantasy and climate change and, you know, just all of these ands, and it's just put together so well. And so getting an opportunity to listen to these people whose work I admire talk about not only their work, but other people's work is just, you know, the, the level of access you get with listening to podcasts is great. It's not just mm. people at the people at the public library. You can come visit us anytime. It's, you know, people with a podcast that you can feel like you get to know them. And, you mm. know, obviously we don't, obviously we don't actually know them and that's totally fine. But, you know, just that way that you get to hear about someone's process as a author, I think is really, really fun. Um, and in such a, you know, um, conversational way, but it's not like an author talk. It's just like, you know, hey, it's Charlie Jane, it's Annalie, and we're sitting down and talking with our friend and just talking about a science topic and how that loops into the fiction that they're writing is really, really cool. I can tell you about one, another podcast that's somewhat locally produced uh, from a guy in Connecticut. It's called the Bike Karma podcast because one of my personal interests and something that I enjoy doing outside of work is uh, bicycling, riding my bicycle. And I owe that to the fact that my husband, Tom, is a professional bicycle mechanic and he's been working in local bike shops for the past 10 years. So he made sure I had a bike when I wanted one and I have very easy advantage that he gets it ready for me when I want to ride, pumps the tires and all that good stuff. And so we heard about this Bike Karma podcast and we went to a, a, a bicycle event in Connecticut called the Hand Built Bike Show. And there are people all over the country. There's somebody right here locally in Rhode Island, right near my branch of the Cranston Public Library, who hand builds bicycles. So I don't know about all the mechanics of bicycles, but I like hearing about adventures that people take with their bicycles. And that's what Tom Brown, who is a school teacher in Connecticut, talks about. So he'll do the same type of thing that what Taylor does is he'll talk to people about and let them tell their story. And that's only a once a month that it drops uh, podcast. But it's fun to listen to something that's completely different from anything else. It has nothing to do with work. It is very enjoyable. So that would be one that if any of you are cyclists or have a peripheral interest in cycling, take a listen to the Bike Karma podcast. So I think I'm going to plug one more because it ties back to the book recommendation that I made in the beginning of the show. So the author of So You Want to Start a Podcast, I was inspired to listen to her show after reading her book. The podcast that she is most well known for is called By the Book, and she uh, is a co-host with Jolenta Greenberg, and it's 
basically both of them read a self-help book and then live by it for two weeks. And during the course of the two weeks that they are living by that particular self-help book, they record snippet audio snippets of their lives, usually including their husbands, because their husbands usually get roped into whatever they're doing (laughs) uh, because they're living their life by the self-help book for two weeks. So like men are from Mars, women are from Venus. They they had their husbands read it and they they as a couple lived by men are from Mars, women are from Venus mm. for two weeks. And so they record snippets of the during the two weeks and then they kind of do like a wrap up at the end. And I've listened to a couple episodes of it. I'm definitely not like caught up at all. And I enjoyed it, especially if you like self-help books. I kind of hopped around and listened to ones that I had either felt like I had heard of and knew enough about the the self-help book to get the episode or what ones that I had read. Like I listened to the one they did about the joy of tidying up, the nice. Mondo book. The um, life-changing magic. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. The life-changing magic of tidying up is the actual title of the book. Um, but I feel good from the ones that I've listened to to recommend recommend it because I enjoyed what I listened to. I just haven't had a lot of time to listen to a lot more. And I think it's a very interesting format because it's not really like a lot of other shows out there. It has like this kind of reality show aspect that you get to hear in real time when they're they're living by the book. You get to hear that aspect of it, not just like their reflections of it. Um, So if you like self-help books, check out by the book. Awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it's kind of like the one that she is known for. That, that well, I think that both of them are known for. Like she appeared on yeah. other stuff, uh, Kristen Menzer, but she—that's like her her and Jolenta Greenberg's podcast. So before we finish the show, we end every episode with a segment that I like to call the last chapter where we discuss a bookish or library-related topic, and we just give our opinions about it. So for this week's The Last Chapter question, what's a book that you hate that everybody else loves? Oh, no. That's a really loaded topic, Taylor. I know. Definitely a movie comes first to mind. Um, (laughs) Was it a book? I think it was a play first. Um, A play has a book, so I'm going to make this work. But that movie, Once about the buskers in like Ireland or England or something. And everybody was like, oh, it's so good. It's amazing. And I would, you know, I try not to be, I have a a degree in music education. I'm a classically trained violinist. I try not to be a snob about things. I've gotten really good as a now almost 39 year old of realizing that um, I can have an opinion, but that doesn't make it correct. And I don't need to share it with anyone, particularly given my status in the world. I can just be quiet and let people enjoy things. But that was one that was just kind of like, why is everybody into this? It's not like the music's fine and the story's okay. Like, I don't know. I was trying not to be a jerk about it. I was like, why does everyone love this so much? Because at the end of the day, even if I don't like it, if somebody else does, I'm happy to let people enjoy their things that they like. I think it's important. Robin, you want to save me from my bladder? I'm going to say that the word hate is pretty strong, Taylor. So I would say that a book that I didn't care for, but a lot of people raved about at the time or were really into was um, the book Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. I just didn't didn't catch my interest. So I'd have all these library patrons coming up to me saying, oh, wow, did you read this? I just couldn't put it down. And I, I would be like, oh, uh-huh. But then I discussed it with my book group that I've been a member of 
And I did finish it so that I could go and talk about it with the other women that I've known for 31 years. It didn't do anything for me. So this is, that was good. That's an older book now. I mean, a few years back, but it was just, you know, so I learned not to engage with people when they rave about a book and I've already read it and I'll just, oh, oh, thanks. I'll keep that in mind or something like that. I don't hate anything. I just can't get excited. I wasn't like, I think a good thing for a librarian is, is this a book you'd recommend to other people? Right. And there's this combination of, and again, because we all purchase books, like I'll buy anything. I have no, you know, when it comes to my purchasing for my library, I have no opinions about anything. If I can find a review that's like, it was fine. And somebody wants to read it. Like, that's all that matters to me. I'll buy it for you. I'm happy to do so. Um, But there's definitely like, when people ask me what I like or what I think of a thing, I also try to like, not give much of an answer because you know that's not about me and there's things that i like to read and if you really want to know that's why we're all on this podcast but that's not to pass judgment on what you want to read or what was that you know one of the axioms of library work is you know if you ask a librarian to read a book that you're into they most certainly will not i think it was something <laughs> to that effect and that's fine you know we're humans in addition to being um you know public service staff i think both are both are good See, I already on the other episode mentioned about how much I don't like Moby Dick, so I feel like I need mm. to come up with a new one. That's pretty universally. <laughs> Mostly, it's very unusual to find somebody who really likes Moby Dick. I'm sure there are people out there. The other thing that came to my mind was Wuthering Heights. That was another one that I like mm. had to read for class and just like, I don't know. I know a lot of people enjoyed it. It's like the Joker and Harley Quinn where people are like, it's so romantic. And I'm all like, are we reading the same thing? Like, this is not a couple that you should be aspiring to be like. I feel like they. it seems like these people have some deep-seated problems that they need to work through. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just... I know a lot of people enjoy it and enjoy that that time period and the Bronte sisters and the things that they wrote. And like you said, Robin, it, it, hate is a strong word. Maybe mm-hmm. hate is, is not the word I wanted to use. Well, it's funny yeah. that you said a book to recommend. So um, about 11 years ago, um, when I met my husband, Tom, he immediately, almost immediately suggested a book for me to read, which I was like, that's pretty bold. <laughs> That you're suggesting a book to a librarian. We hadn't known each other that long. And the book that he suggested is Geek Love by Catherine Dunn. And this is a a novel. It's fiction. And it takes place, the family, the main characters are a sideshow family, circus freaks, quote unquote, as they were known in, in back in the day. And it is definitely not everybody's cup of tea. It is very, very odd book, but it has many fans, and I was definitely drawn into the story. So sometimes recommending a book to a librarian can work out. I think maybe he had some other things going on that influenced your likelihood to read it. Maybe. Over just like someone who just all you know is that they come into the library. Good point, Kayla. (laughs) And on that note, (laughs) yes. Thank you both for joining me on the show. And thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been another episode of Downtime. Downtime is a production of the Cranston Public Library. Our theme music is Day Trips by Ketza. And our ad music is Happy Ukulele by Scott Holmes. 
Links to the books and movies discussed can be found in the show notes. To find out everything your library can do for you, visit our website at cranstonlibrary.org. Downtime with Cranston Public Library is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you find your podcasts. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Join us next week for more Downtime. Thank you.